close your eyes and open your mind. This is Phantom Nirvana, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Our cast is Reagan as Axel Johnson, Michael as Joshua Ames, Ben as Sam Campbell, Kevin as Marcus Burkhead, Phil as the Dungeon Master, and myself, Courtney, as Mallory Reed. Be advised, this story contains dark themes that may not be suitable for some audiences. And now we present Phantom Nirvana. What you're about to hear is the six of us playing Dungeons and Dragons. Most of this is improvised. Please enjoy the story. This is episode one, The Funeral and the Museum. We begin our story at the end. You find yourselves in Spain, just outside of the city of Madrid. The rain patters down softly uh, in the graveyard on this cold gray morning. Tall headstones stand around the gathered group. A coffin is being lowered into the grave. You stand shoulder to shoulder with uh, your friends there in the graveyard. And you're looking on. Inside the coffin is your mutual friend, Lucas. You were all high school friends in the band together. And after high school, Lucas led a wild but brief adult life as a globe-trotting DJ and notorious playboy. Lucas was found dead in his chateau. Uh, He was uh, in a silk robe lying next to the pool. Uh, He had overdosed on pills of some kind. Your memories of your friendship with Lucas <clears throat> they they flood over you. The time that you all jumped off the Redland Bridge and Lucas got pulled underwater and nearly drowned. 14 different band trips by bus. Late nights playing GoldenEye on Nintendo 64 and eating Cheeto Puffs. Smoking pot behind the metal shop yard at school. Lucas was the glue that held the group together. And you may not all have been popular, but you were important to each other. The priest drones on about Lucas, gesturing to different people in the group who you learn are his family and um, other acquaintances through his life. Why don't you tell me what the group sees when they look around and, uh, and see you, uh, Michael? Tell me about your character. So uh, when everyone looks around at Joshua, um, the first thing you notice is uh, probably his height or lack thereof uh, and his disfigured nose. Uh, Looks like it's been broken 
several times, uh, maybe lots of times since you saw him last. Um, he's around five foot four and has a bit of a belly on him um, and a short scar over his left eye that's also new um, and buzzed brown hair and a patchy beard. And how about Mal? What does everyone see when they look next to Marcus or Joshua and see Mal? Well, I obviously overdressed and these shoes are going to fall apart in this rain. I am medium height. I suppose I'm attractive. Uh, shoulder length brown hair, blue eyes, stupid fucking dimple. And I thought it only rained at funerals in the movies. And how about Marcus now? Next to her is your character, Kevin. So uh, Marcus is six foot, 200 pounds, black hair with spots of gray coming in. Marcus is bored, staring around the group of people, recognizing Mal and Joshua and Axel and just feels nothing. Staring off into the distance. Not happy, not sad. And how about Sam Campbell? In comparison, Sam looks much more like the typical funeral wear with his hands in the pockets of his raincoat and hood pulled up to protect from that light powder of rain. Let's hear about what Axel looks like, Reagan. Well, Axel definitely looks like he improvised his outfit. He came in jorts and a jean coat. He was not ready for the weather, but it's what he had. He honestly forgot some of your names, but it's probably just because he's super high. Axel, as all this is going on, you're sort of, uh, you got your hands crossed behind your back and in, in your hands is uh, a small box that's tied up with string. So this box was given to you by uh, the executor of Lucas, Lucas's um, will, Some, something for the group, but it was supposed to be handled by you. <clears throat> so you're kind of handling that and you're thinking about what could be in it. You're not sure, but you're thinking as soon as this is over, um, you pop this guy open, see what's inside. So let's jump ahead to three hours later. You are all at the Museo de Prado, which is um, a large museum in Madrid. Uh, it's probably six o'clock in the evening, 6.30 or so. So most uh, tourists wouldn't be here, especially not on a weekday, which it is. And you're kind of looking around and wondering why you came here, but it was Axel's idea. And uh, when you get there uh, and he gathers you all together, wants to, to open the box and, and talk to you about what's in, you know, share with you what's inside. Hey, everybody, just, uh, just come over, come over here. Check this out. Take, take a look at this. It, and he holds it in his hands. Axel unties the string on the box, takes the top off and holds it out to show you what's inside. It is five small purple tablets. Are those, are those mushrooms? No, Joshua, that is LSD acid. Uh, Axel's already taken it. Come on, Joshua, you don't remember. Oh, uh, 
I mean, uh, I, yeah, uh, no, it, it totally rings a bell. Uh, Come on, was, man. You're, you're it was junior, junior year after our big uh, performance, whatever, symphonic band thing. We somehow Lucas found some acid and we all decided to take it and we had a good time, but. Axel is oh, shaking yeah. the box. He's like, Mal reaches in. Grabs one and takes it. Yeah, yeah, three more. Come on, let's do it. And and you're saying this is from Lucas? Yeah. Like so. he, he he just left you this box? Yeah, that's what some dude told me. Yeah, it was the executor of the will left it for the um, five of you in the possession of Axel. All right, down the hatch. Yeah. I I don't know, guys. Uh... Uh, you know, I, I mean, it's been a long time since I've done anything like that. Mal um, just turns to Joshua, gives him a big wink. But, you know, I mean, if it was, if it was Lucas's, like, last wish or whatever, uh, you know, oh, okay, uh, yeah. He reaches in and grabs a tab and puts it in his mouth. There you go. And moments later, Sam reaches and grabs the last one. And takes it as well. So you walk through the museum, feeling a bit awkward with each other. This is a group that was once very close friends. And you haven't seen each other for, at best, five years. Mal is currently at the front of a sort of flying V formation as we walk through the museum. And she spins around backwards to look at these four dudes. So, uh, Mal, what a... What have you been up to? I don't know. Working. What about you? Yeah, I I I work. I I play some music. I have a little band. Nothing. Really? Major. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. That's fun. What do you play? Uh, I play guitar in the band. I meant, what kind of music? Oh, um, we mostly play, um, you know, cover songs, kind of the popular hits of the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. I, I, I do a lot of like uh, family-friendly kind of uh, concerts at malls and, and, and things like that. I, I write my own stuff. I just haven't really uh, you know, put that out there yet. Mal sort of drifted away and started looking at a painting about halfway through that. Marcus is uh, embarrassed. You stand next to her looking at this painting. It is a, a village that is on fire. There are horses running through it. Um, people uh, screaming in terror. You can see one woman in particular has her hair uh, completely aflame and it's just like blowing up into the sky. Uh, she's in the foreground. Mal's eyes are fixed on the woman with the flaming hair and she says without turning to Marcus, oh, that, that sounds good. Yeah, so I, you said you're working, like doing doing what? Accounting. It couldn't be more boring. Oh. oh Let's okay. see what else there is in here. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Axel physically recoils from this conversation. He's internally hurting with cringe. <laughs> what is his normal crowd? His dog in the forest. Yeah, he's very much a loner. He likes it like that. He hates this. What was he like in high school? Did he hang with this group? Yeah, he he did when he wanted to. 
but he was ma- mainly just a loner. He definitely took band to get the requirements out of the way so he could graduate. And what's he been doing the last decade? Traveling the world in his van. <laughs> he just happened to be in a neighboring country when Lucas's funeral was announced. So he was like, I'll, I'll go. Sure. Mal drifts over towards Axel and grabs onto the sleeve of his jean jacket and says, I love your Canadian summer tuxedo. What a look. Yeah, I haven't washed in a bit, though. She lets go of his sleeve. <laughs> Josh, you are you were feeling uncomfortable about taking the uh, the LSD. Why is that? Yeah. So, uh, Josh, you know, while we're walking, uh, speaks up to the the group. Um, you know, I I didn't want to, you know, be like a downer, um, but. Uh, you know, I've been sober for like uh, six months now. Are, are you gonna be? Are you gonna be good? I mean, you well, could have well, you you said something. Yeah. Did we pressure you into this? I did, I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, I'm really excited to be uh, doing this with y'all. You know, I, I don't have a lot of friends uh, these days, so it, it's nice to you know have some friends again and hang out. Sam, where are you in this group? Are you amongst them? Are you separate? Oh, I- I'm keeping pretty close to this group. What's your feeling about being with them after so long apart? Uh, a little bit uneasy, just in the way that so much time has passed. And we we feel that our memories of our friends from high school, that we were pretty close, but we, we forget about how much time has passed. And so it's kind of like almost meeting a new group of people again. So, uh, Sam, what if, what are you up to these days? Uh, you're still playing trumpet? <laughs> <laughs> no, not anymore. Mm. Uh, so, st- still working that public policy. We're just finishing putting together our, our next housing initiative. Uh, so, hopefully, hopefully that can get some movement soon. Uh, the last couple kind of got stuck in the in, in everything, but... Hopefully this time we'll get some more progress. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, good, uh, good, good luck with that. Thanks. Mal is looking at Sam and thinking he looks kind of old. Josh doesn't know what public policy is, but he's pretty impressed by the words used. <laughs> by the words used. So you guys have moved into another wing of the museum. <clears throat> There's even fewer people here. Just a, an older couple now is seated at a marble bench. In this room that you're in, it's obviously uh, impressionist works. You kind of move through here. You're seeing some. You're seeing some things that are sort of, I don't know, odd. Some of the works in this museum are a little bloody, and given the sort of macabre tone of the whole day, it's almost humorous that you would see all of this gore from these paintings, you know, and you're kind of looking around and it, you thought that this would cheer you up, but the more you move around through this museum, the more you're like, God, this is some dark stuff. I wonder what, what's in the next room. And you kind of move through and you can see that the, um, the older couple is kind of watching you as you move into the next room, the same marble benches, the same, uh, it's a very high ceiling. There is uh, some inset lighting 
in the ceiling and uh, it's sort of casting just this bright fluorescence throughout the space. And you're looking up uh, around and you come across one painting in particular that catches your eye. And it is, uh, at first glance, it is an, an armored knight on horseback in violent combat with a snarling green dragon. And you look at the uh, identification card and it says, St. George and the Dragon by Peter Paul Rubens, 1605. All of you standing shoulder to shoulder now, feeling just that awkwardness of these folks who you haven't been close with for so long. Now you come back together and it's almost like Lucas expected you to have some kind of an experience. He wanted to somehow bring you back together. The horse is rearing back in the, in the painting and the knight is raising up his longsword, preparing to strike. And in the background of the painting, there is a maiden with long hair and flowing robes. And she is cowering with her hands up to her face. The dragon and the mounted knight are locked in combat here. They are, they are in a death struggle with one another. And it is at the exact moment that the LSD begins to take effect. You can feel it like a wave over your body. It sort of rushes first through your head and down your shoulders and into your stomach, almost making you feel ill. And then through your gut, down down all the way to your feet, rooting you to the floor. You stand Mal next impulsively to impulsively reaches out and grabs the hands of the two men standing on either side of her. And that is Josh and Sam. You hold their hands. Are you guys feeling anything? I think so. Yeah. This picture is like alive. Yeah, right? <laughs> All at once, the painting does appear to come to life. The mounted knight shudders, and you can see that their deadly struggle is suddenly real. The maiden in the, in the background screams in fear. You can hear her voice. Her cry is ringing in your ears. You can feel your corporeal body being lifted up off of the marble floor of the museum and levitating in front of this painting, this painting that has come to life. The knight you see, he, he moves his longsword down in this heavy slash, cutting deeply down the writhing neck of the great green dragon. And the beast releases this furious primal death screen its entire body and tail tensing and shaking the whole thing is just totally tripping you out you you glance around almost to escape what you are seeing and you see that the museum itself has warped and changed you see that several of the paintings near you have begun to crumble to gray sand and that the the marble floor is now cracked it, the cracks, in fact, are moving through the whole room that you are in. You can see the bench that weighs behind you out of marble as you turn over your shoulder. Bang! It opens, cracking. The whole room is opening. The ground shifts like, like uh, tectonic plates, one up and one down. One lifting and one lowering. The, the, and then at the corner of the room, you look over and you can see that there is a bare leg rolling out from behind the wall the, into your field of view and into this room. And then you see 
an arm extend out, uh, writhing this, and then another leg and a third leg coming out, this grotesque mass of arms, legs, massed together, this hair at the center of this awful, creeping abomination just sort of rolling out. It is coming towards you, dragging itself across the floor towards you. The knight has his long sword drawn. He reaches up another heavy slash, cutting down into this writhing neck of the dragon. And all at once, you are no longer in the museum. You are pulled through into the world of the painting. Thank you for listening to this episode of Phantom Nirvana. Our music is by Seiji, Dying Suns, Houseflies in December, J.D. Garza, and Turntry. Art is by Sydney Lodge. Join the conversation on social media at Phantom Nirvana.